Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Here's what's going on. We'll be talking with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley. What's going on with uh, the Argentinian uh, situation as far as biodiesel is concerned and countervailing duties? Is Are we... And are we getting close to an announcement from the White House on an RFS strategy, a biofuels policy announcement that we've been waiting for weeks for that? There are reports out there we might be getting close to an announcement, some kind of agreement done. We'll talk about that with Ryan Finley, see what he has heard. Also with us today, Arlen Suderman from INTL FC Stone. Get his reaction to the bullish report earlier this week from USDA and what does it mean moving forward as far as markets and uh, his outlook for this harvest season. We'll get into all that a little bit later on. And we have a couple of reports coming up uh, today from uh, World Dairy Expo, and that's where we're going to start. World Dairy Expo underway in Madison, Wisconsin. Very happy to be joined now by Laura Hirschleb. She is the marketing manager for World Dairy Expo. Laura, thank you for joining us here on Adams on Agriculture. How are things going so far with World Dairy Expo? Things are going great, and thank you so much for the opportunity to be on with you this morning. And um, it's really great to visit with you and all the fine folks listening to your stations. World Dairy Expo is off to a great start. Uh, we got started yesterday. The show goes through Saturday, October 5th, and we anticipate over or nearly 65,000 attendees again at this year's show. We have 859 exhibiting companies, uh, which is actually, it features 97 new companies here at this year's show. And in addition, we have over 2,300 head of cattle being exhibited on the colored shaving. So the week is off to a great start, and we're really excited for all that's to come. Well, we know these are tough times uh, for the dairy industry. Uh, dairy producers really struggling. Uh, what would you say is the mood and the, uh, the attitude there at World Dairy Expo? Well, unfortunately, in addition to the financial difficulties and struggles that uh, you know the industry has been experiencing, Mother Nature has not been doing us any favors by any stretch. Uh, yesterday was another very rainy day here, and I think one of the growing concerns, in addition to just the financials, is really getting that corn silage and, and feed off, particularly here, you know, in the Wisconsin area and likely throughout the Midwest as well as, as these big storms move through. But all in all, uh, you know, it's um, our hope that coming out to World Dairy Expo, you know, provides a time to just really reflect, collect information, um, you know, connect with peers that are dealing with similar challenges, and really find ways to better improve and gain efficiencies back on the dairy operations back at home or their dairy businesses, things like that. So, um we're certainly, you know, very sensitive to the financial challenges and hopeful, like everyone, that we see a turnaround here in short order. Well, you had a visit yesterday from Secretary Purdue. We did. It was such a pleasure to welcome the U.S. Um, Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Purdue, here to World Dairy Expo. We had a town hall meeting featuring him and Wisconsin's Secretary of Agriculture designee, Brad Path. So it was a very well-attended um, conversation, lots of great questions, dialogue, and um, Secretary Purdue really kicked off the presentation saying, I'm here to listen. I want to answer questions, but I want to hear from all of you. And I think that perspective was very well-received by audience attendees and, you know, um, spoke a lot about a wide variety of topics. And certainly, you know, you can always, we were so honored to have him here for an hour, and then he toured the grounds. and. I think we, if we could have had him for a day, in, in multiple days, you know, we would have welcomed him. But we sure hope that um, he comes back to World Dairy Expo again next year. And him and his team, it was truly an honor to have him here. Well, it is a world event. You have a number of uh, international visitors as well, don't you? Yes, sir. So of that 65,000 attendees, we anticipate, um, you know, around 3,000 international guests to be at this year's World Dairy Expo. Annually, we have nearly 100 countries that are represented by our international guests as well as exhibiting countries. So it truly is 
the global meeting place of the dairy industry. And, you know, we like to think of it as kind of your one-stop shop. You can see some of the finest dairy cattle genetics, grazing, and color shavings from North America, from the U.S. and Canada. Then you can come over to the trade show and, you know, really find any kind of piece of information that you're looking for, looking to take back home, and then really speak with the experts. And so having, you know, that blend here at the show really makes World Dairy Expo special. Yeah, you do have a lot going on. You have the, the the shows themselves, the competition, that's a big part of it. But as you said, the latest in technology is on display in your trade show. Then you have all kinds of seminars and other informational events going on as well. We do, yes. So throughout the entire duration of the show, we have expo seminars that feature industry-leading researchers and professors talking about um, various different topics relevant to the dairy industry. We have eight virtual farm tours that feature differing dairy operations from throughout the United States throughout the week. We also have forage seminars that are really specific to those, you know, crops that we're growing and trying to learn from to improve for the future and produce better feed for our animals. New this year, we have our Knowledge Nook sessions. So we always we talk about having the latest and greatest technology here. That Knowledge Nook is a place to hear directly from exhibiting companies about the new products, researches, and services that they have launched to the marketplace within the last year. So we're really excited. That's a new addition for this year. And so far, you know, we have had great participation. We have um, 21 different um, Knowledge Nook sessions that will be held throughout the week. So there definitely is a wide array of educational offerings in addition to the trade show and cattle show. Yeah, a lot of competition in the show ring. What's your schedule the rest of the week? Well, we have right now gracing the colored shavings that happen to be green this year are the Jersey cows. And then we move into this afternoon where we will have brown Swiss um, calves that will be on the shavings as well as our milking shorthorn cows. Those will be finishing up. And um, then the rest of the week, you know, we have brown Swiss cows tomorrow. We get started with red and whites and Guernseys. And then the whole seed show gets started on Friday midday into Saturday. And um, the cattle show aspect of the show culminates with our selection of the Supreme Champion on Saturday evening, early evening. Always a great event, not to mention plenty of good ice cream and cheese and milk. <laughs> that's a big part well, of it, too. I always no enjoy shortage. that part. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, that's a key component. I mean, I'd be very – I'm so glad you brought that up because I'd be remiss to say, we got all your dairy product needs covered. This is the place to come and, and try all the phenomenal um, dairy products, you know, that our, our industry mm-hmm. makes. Well, glad to hear you're off to a good start, Laura. Thank you for the uh, the report on this year's World Dairy Expo going on in Madison, Wisconsin. Marketing Manager for World Dairy Expo, Laura Hirschleb, has been our guest. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. Great day. All right. Take care. Have a good show. Well, we mentioned Secretary Purdue uh, was at the show yesterday. He kind of stirred a lot of things up when uh, a comment talking about the uh, going to be hard for small producers to make it, saying in America, the big get bigger and the small go out. Uh, we'll get some comments and some thoughts on the, uh, those statements a little bit later on. We'll have another report in our program today from World Dairy Expo. Up next, though, we're going to talk with the CEO of the American Soybean Association. Stay with us on AOA. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a Credence soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, Credence soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Ask your local BASF seed advisor about Credence soybeans. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture.
from the American Ag Network. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with the new CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Colin Whittall. And one more thing before we let you go, your reaction to all the attention, all the publicity, all the money going into these plant and cell-based products. We're going to continue to fight them, and we're going to be louder in our fighting because they continue to market themselves by disparaging us. And I tell you, if the only marketing the plan that you have for your product is to disparage your competition, then you probably don't really have a good product. And I think everybody in the livestock industry would uh, would agree with that anyway. So we have got to fight back on them, uh, stop them from disparaging us, and more importantly, work with USDA and FDA to do everything we can to prevent them from using the term beef. So you're going to see more and more from NCBA over the next several weeks as we roll out more plans there to combat what has been an unnecessary attack on us and one that we're just not going to stand for anymore, Mike. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credence soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, credence soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Ask your local BASF seed advisor about credence soybeans. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's check in with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing all right, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Plenty of issues. Let's get to this one with Argentina and countervailing duties on their biodiesel. Uh, For those not familiar with this, explain this situation and the decision you're waiting for now, why it's so important. Right, yeah. When we talk about biodiesel, which we've mentioned before, there's, it's really unique in that it has some EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, weighs in on it, Congress weighs in on it, and then there's this international piece. And so the Argentina dis- discussion is the international piece. And so every year, the Environmental, Environmental Protection Agency says we're going to use X amount of biodiesel in our liquid fuel supply across the country. A few years ago, Brazil, or I'm sorry, Argentina was exporting biodiesel for us to fill that mandate here domestically. And at one point, it was creeping close to 50% of the biodiesel we were using was coming from Argentina. And a lot of people were saying, well, how is that? Well, it was because they were dumping, they were, they were, the Argentinian government was subsidizing the production of biodiesel and the export of biodiesel. And so they were dumping it into the U.S. market. And, and, what we did at that time was um, have a discussion at the International Trade Commission level, and the U.S. government said we are going to impose tariffs 
these countervailing duties and anti-dumping duties to prevent or make it cost prohibitive for Argentina to bring in or sell their biodiesel to the U.S. market. And so that has happened the last couple of years. It has effectively cut off the the um, export of biodiesel from Argentina to the United States, and it's allowed us to use soybean oil and other animal fats and other aspects, but we're, we're producing and consuming the fuel here domestically, and I think that's really that's the important part. But what we hear is that um, some of these an, um, anti-dumping and countervailing duties may be at risk of being rescinded by the current administration. So the American Soybean Association, a national biodiesel board, you've sent a letter to Commerce Secretary Ross about this. Is that right? That's right. And really it's to have an audience with him to sit down and say, you know, we're not really sure what lens you're looking through, but we need you to look at it from the lens of the soybean farmer, from the biodiesel industry, from the economic standpoint of what is Argentina actually doing? What were they doing five years ago? when anti-dumping and countervailing duties were put into place. Has that changed? Has their behavior changed at all? And would that change warrant you reducing or eliminating those duties? And I don't believe, and in our industry, both National Biodiesel Board and ASA, does not believe that the behavior in Argentina has changed. And it certainly would not warrant a change enough for them to remove the anti-dumping and countervailing duties. So was there a preliminary decision, not a final decision, but a preliminary decision made back in the summer to end those countervailing duties, and that's what you're responding to now? Is that it? Yeah, that's the big one, is the countervailing. Well, I mean, they're both important, but earlier this year there was this preliminary determination, countervailing duties, they were going to scale those back. and they were So they weren't eliminating them, but they were effectively eliminating them because of the, the number that they moved it to. So there's still the anti-dumping in place, but it's the countervailing duty that we said, well, principally, how, how are we, you know, Secretary Ross, how are you justifying that you're reducing this? And I think that's, so this sounds really technical, and to a degree it is, but it's really to say, what has Argentina changed that would allow us to reduce the, the countervailing duty that we have on them? And, and I, you know, our, from our viewpoint, it's not appropriate, it's not necessary at this time, and we need the administration to reconsider um, when they have a final determination. They, they need to reconsider this decision. A decision was expected, a final decision last month. We're still waiting. Do you consider that good news or bad news that it's being delayed? Well, I think it's, it's good news, um, hopefully. And I think part of this, I mean, there's politics and everything, right? And part of this is Argentina is going through an election themselves, and maybe the outcome of that election is going to impact what happens here. I would certainly hope that uh, Secretary Ross is looking at the fundamentals more than the politics, but we'll see where they're at and and where they where they shake where this shakes out at the end of the day. But I, I'm confident that we'll look at fundamentals, and the administration through Secretary Ross will look at the fundamentals and say, yeah, this is not the right time to change this. And, and we need to keep countervailing duty and anti-dumping in place. We're talking with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. So you await that announcement while you're also waiting for an announcement on uh, at, on the RFS, what the White House has in mind for biofuels policy. <laughs> there are stories out there now, uh, rumors that uh, that announcement is very close. What are you hearing? Well, we've been hearing that it's this week for the, the last three weeks. So I'm confident it's going to be this week. <laughs> That's what we hear. Those are the rumors that are out there. I, I, in, in reality, we don't know. I mean, there's a lot of variables, I'm sure, that the administration is, is trying to figure when, when they release this. But there is a lot of speculation that it's going to happen this week. I think, I think biodiesel producers, I think soybean farmers, farmers in general, deserve a, a response short, shortly, and it should certainly take into effect the impact that the um, small refinery exemptions have had on the biofuels industry and on farmers. I mean, we've seen a lot of um, biodiesel and ethanol um, producers shut down, close, and idle, go into a soft idle over the last month. That's not the direction that we need to go right now in rural America, and, and I hope that the administration sees that. They've certainly heard it. They've heard it from farmers. They've heard it from elected officials. And, and we're hopeful that they, the agreement they put together can be beneficial for 
um, soybean farmers. Speaking of hopeful, we're going into more talks with China. There have been a few uh, soybean purchases by China. What are your thoughts uh, on this round of talks? This is all their good faith effort to make some purchases, and the more that they purchase, the better. We have we, we have nearly a billion bushels that uh, we carried over from the last marketing year, so we have a supply to sell. That was over a hundred percent increase uh, from our compared to our carryout the year before. So there's a lot of soybeans right now in the countryside, and China saying that they're going to buy a, a million metric ton here and there is not going to solve that problem, but it certainly helps. And it really, if it's a good faith effort um, that they're putting forward to say, we want to negotiate, we want to find a resolution to this, um, that's that's what we want to see. So this is really um, getting back to the beginning of a negotiation. And if we can see next week, China and the U.S. take some positive steps, the purchases keep going. That's what we really want to see. We, at the end of the day, we want to see rescinding the, the tariffs that China's placed on U.S. soybean farmers and that the U.S. has placed on China for some of those goods and get back to um, a trading platform that we can sell products both ways. But until then, it's good to see China buying a few million metric tons of U.S. soybeans. Ryan, you mentioned there's a political component to about everything uh, these days, and certainly now with what's happening in Washington with the impeachment proceedings, the question is how does this impact other things? Uh, and in the case of agriculture, we have trade deals and things like that, uh, USMCA to be worked on and some of these other issues. Do you see the impeachment proceedings just uh, overshadowing everything else, or do you see them actually getting some of uh, these other important issues taken care of? Yeah, Mike, that's a fantastic question. I believe that Congress can actually do more than one thing. Well, on on the news, maybe the talking heads are are focused on just one or two issues. But in reality, there's a lot of work being done in Washington, D.C., on both the House and Senate side. And I'm confident that Ambassador Lighthizer from USTR, the working group of Democrats that, um, that are on the House side, can continue their discussions on USMCA, reach a point where everybody is comfortable, and we can still move USMCA forward this fall yet. I mean, that's that's one thing that we really need to see happen. We need to see it finalized. And so if we can pick up negotiations with China, if we can pass USMCA, we just saw Japan last week, which was fantastic for agriculture. Um, I, I think all of this is um, finally going the right direction. We still have a long way to go, but we're, we're starting to go the right direction. Very good. Ryan, always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot, and hopefully we'll have some answers on some of these questions uh, uh, soon, and we'll talk again. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, on some of those trade issues. Tomorrow we're scheduled to talk with our chief ag negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, Ambassador Greg Dowd, scheduled to be with us tomorrow. We'll get his thoughts on USMCA and the China talks and also get his perspective, a behind-the-scenes look at how the U.S.-Japan deal came together. That's coming up tomorrow. Up next, Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone joins us. His reaction to the uh, crop report this week and his outlook for this harvest season. Stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. 
when it comes to the comfort of your family. Trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. For the American Ag Network, I'm Kirsten Rall. As expected by traders this week, the USDA confirmed that Chinese buyers have purchased 464,000 metric tons of U.S. soybeans for export during the 2019-2020 marketing year. It is the latest in a string of purchases by China ahead of the trade talks between the two sides, resuming in Washington on October 10th. Soybeans on the Board of Trade traded down 0.4% overnight, but have rallied this week on expectations of cold weather hitting areas in the northern plains, as well as improvement in the U.S.-China trade talks. A new forecast from INTLFC Stone places the national corn yield at 169.3 bushels per acre, higher than its previous predictions of 168.4 bushels per acre, and higher than the USDA's September forecast of 168.2 bushels per acre. In cash cattle country, packer inquiries limited this morning and bids remain scarce. Significant trade volume will likely be delayed until tomorrow or later. Beef cutouts are expected to be mixed with light to moderate box movement. On the Board of Trade, December live cattle up seven cents at 109.90. November feeders a dollar five higher at 141.22. December lean hogs up 35 at 70.26. For the grain and oil seed sector, December corn down three and three quarters at 388 and three quarters of a cent. November soybeans down four and a quarter of a cent at 915 and a quarter of a cent. December Minneapolis spring wheat down five and three quarters of a cent at 527 and a quarter of a cent. Kansas City wheat December down six and a quarter at 405 and a quarter. December Chicago wheat down seven and a half cent at 491 and a quarter. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction. Plus, the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Always enjoy our conversations with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. He joins us now. Lots to talk about. Arlen, what's uh, what's your reaction to the uh, bullish, actually a bullish USDA report? The numbers came out earlier this week. Well, the uh, feed usage number, I think, needs to go up. I felt that really since the March 29th uh, stocks report that USDA was uh, understating what feed usage is this year. And so I think we'll uh, be seeing that go higher. And then that has implications for the new marketing year because if feed usage in the old year was higher than expected, then the feed usage for the new year should be as well. And I think that better reflects the livestock numbers that we have. I do not think that that accounts for all of it. I think that uh, USDA, of course, cut the size of last year's soybean crop by 116 million bushels. And I think they overstated last year's corn crop as well. 
So some type of a blend in there, I think we'll see maybe a, a downward revision in last year's corn crop when we come to the January report um, for corn uh, is probably in order. But it does remove some of the safety margin against potential problems with this year's crop. That's what the market responded to. We got our short covering rally. Now, in order to sustain a rally to get the funds to go from covering shorts to actually building longs or building ownership, they need to see that this year's crop actually has problems that justify that, and we simply don't see that yet. Um, my personal bias is that we will, but we don't have any data to, to acknowledge that, and uh, waiting for the combine results to actually see if that will be the case. Let's talk about uh, your yield uh, uh, projections there at INTL FC Stone. Uh, start with corn, 169.3? Well, these are our client-based uh, survey results, asking them what they think the crops in their mm-hmm. area are going to yield. Keep in mind that most of the major producing states are seeing low single-digit harvest progress at this time. So what is the perception about yield to this point? And so these reflect that. They reflect kind of the common thinking uh, that the the crops overall are decent. Obviously, there was a lot of difference in where you're at. Uh, We saw generally corn yields go down in the eastern Midwest, uh, not not totally, but as a generality in areas where they had started harvesting a little bit more aggressively. Uh, Further to the north and west, the yields tend to decline where the crops still look good and we really hadn't had that much harvest results. Um, so I think they accurately reflect kind of what the perceptions are out there in the industry and uh, we'll have to see what the combines say now as they get in the field. And of course anxious to see what USDA says next week whereas they've actually been in the field sampling them um, to see if, if they see any different trends. So now the focus after what the numbers we saw this week, does that ramp up even more the attention of focus on uh, next week's report? No, I think it really does. Keep in mind that uh, the, any crop that's not mature, be it corn or soybeans, they assume a normal trend weight be it uh, the ear weight or be it the pods. Now, they're still on the ears if it's not mature. They're still going to be counting rows, um, counting number rows around and, and length of those rows, uh, and then assuming normal weight of the kernels in that uh, if it's not mature. If it is mature, then they will be taking the actual weight and calculating from that. So less than half of the corn crop was mature basically on October 1st. So a little bit more than half the crop, they'll be assuming normal weight. Soybeans, similar type of situation. If it's not mature enough to weigh the pods, they will take the pod counts and assume normal weights of those pods in calculating yield. Um, But it should give us a little bit more. I think enough of the crop is mature that if, in fact, its previous yield estimates are accurate, there should be some confirmation of that, or if the yields are actually lower than that, which is where my belief stands as a former agronomist, we should start to see an initial trend toward a a downward adjustment. The funds have been assuming higher yields coming, so I think it wouldn't take much of a reduction to start catching their attention saying, wait a minute, maybe this crop isn't getting bigger, maybe it is getting smaller. Then we'll have to look for November results to really see where this crop ends up. So either lower numbers coming out of the fields or weather problems uh, really delaying this harvest even more, can that spark a real rally here at harvest time? It can, and the main thing is a change in the psychology of the markets. As we, you know, we go back to last spring, and we had quite a rally in the markets with the unprecedented weather delays and problems with uh, getting the crops in the field. But it wasn't that the funds were building long positions or ownership in the market. It was simply that they were recognizing the chart signals and covering their short positions, unwinding them. And then once those headlines of weather problems evaporated, then they started putting those short positions back on. So even after the stocks report, we don't see any evidence that they're really building ownership. They're simply looking and respecting the chart signals and unwinding their shorts. So if we want to sustain the rally, we really have to have some evidence that the crop is smaller than currently projected to get them to do that. 
So markets basically, is what I've kind of learned from you this year, markets assume a crop will get planted until it's not, and they'll assume it'll get harvested until it's not, and that it'll, in most cases, it's going to be good until they're proven it's not. Is that right? Well, that's the general thinking, and that thinking is cast by a bigger filter of what's demand for commodities globally. And the trade war, really, you go back to May 24th of 2018 when the trade war with China ratcheted up and really got its first start impacting agriculture. From that day forward, the funds have assumed bearish commodity fundamentals. Uh, And so if we were to have a trade agreement come out here over the next few weeks, that would flip those. You would expect that to flip the psychology, and so they would interpret data with a much different, in a much different light. We don't have that trade agreement now, so in that absence of a trade agreement, they're still going to assume bearishness until proven otherwise. That's the filter they look at everything through. We're talking with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist for INTLFC Stone. Let's talk about trade. A few. Soybean purchases by China ahead of this next round of talks. What do you make of those? Well, China is being very smart here. They knew that they could not get enough soybeans out of South America to get them through till February when new crop South American beans would be available. So they knew they were going to have to purchase some from the United States. They knew they were going to have to purchase some pork from the United States. So why not leverage that in the trade talks, and that's what they're doing. The general thinking is they'll need 5 to 7 million metric tons of soybeans. Uh, That number has kind of come around a promise of maybe 6 million metric tons of soybeans. So far, we have confirmation from USDA of a little under 2 million metric tons. We think that actual total is a little bit higher than that. We saw some more being confirmed this morning. They're on holiday this week but we'll probably see paperwork come through for some more purchases to kind of keep pushing that number higher between now and really the next week when their negotiators meet in Washington. Um, That in and of itself is not enough to turn the tables of the market because they used to buy 30 to 35 million metric tons per year from us. So this is still just a fraction of that. It does keep the funds from going short to soybeans necessarily, um, but it doesn't really give them reason to sustain a rally without a drop in the yield. And finally, uh, Arlen, you know, we talk a lot about the futures prices, but uh, really it's that basis out there that is what we, I think, need to focus more on. What are you seeing with basis levels? Basis is staying strong. Now, it has pulled back a little bit from its peak uh, levels, but basically, we learned from the stocks report that there's still plenty of old crop out there on the farm. Farmers are hanging on to it because they, as in general, uh, depending on where you're at, do not believe that the crop is out there and expecting higher prices. And the government market facilitation payments have given them the courage and the ability to hang on, hoping for higher prices. End users, many of them, depending, again, on what part of the country you're in, also are fearful that the crops may not be as big as USDA says. They're trying to buy up supplies. They thought they would have new crop supplies by now, but the rain delays are preventing that from happening. And if they're going to keep the plants going, they and the livestock producers, if they're going to keep feeding the livestock, they've got to have supplies. So they're having to push their bids and maintain them and support the bids, trying to pry some stocks out of the farmer's hands. So we're still seeing that elevated basis. The cash market is saying it's still concerned about supplies. The futures market, yeah, we had a short covering around the last couple of days, but overall the futures market still not too concerned. Yeah, that's interesting, that, that back and forth, uh, the mindset going on out there in the countryside, right, of how this is going to play out. And as you said, we've not seen this rush to sell uh, here recently, even with the, the uptick. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, farmers have been bold up. End users are telling us that, uh, uh, particularly after the stocks report, what they see. Uh, and, and what you think the size of the crop's going to be and, and what the eventual movement of market depends if you're in Iowa and you're seeing big yields or if you're in Indiana and seeing very poor yields or some places in South Dakota and North Dakota seeing some yield problems as well. It's what's happening in your backyard tends to shape your perception of what's happening nationally.
yeah, the psychology of this is very interesting, the way people are, are perceiving it and, and viewing it and reacting to it. As you said, it, it really depends on what you're seeing in your area that uh, in, in influences that a lot. Interesting times. It's going to be uh, very interesting to see how this plays out, Arlen. We'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Very interesting. All right, up next, back to Madison, Wisconsin. Another report from World Dairy Expo. Stay with us on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Head to toe, everything's changed. Head to toe. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. With Make-A-Wish, the impossible becomes possible. A girl battling cancer can become a race car driver battling the course. The boy showing all the nurses his fire trucks can take the helm of a real one. Wishes can give kids with critical illnesses the strength to keep fighting, get better, and grow up. Where there's a wish, there's a way. Wishes need you. Visit Make-A-Wish at Wish.org. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... In the state of Wisconsin, legislation has been proposed to stop the use of misleading labels on imitation milk and dairy products. And here to tell us about that is Tom Crave, president of the Dairy Business Association in Wisconsin and a farmer and cheesemaker in Wisconsin. Tom, thank you for joining us. Uh, Tell us about this proposed legislation in Wisconsin. Well, it is being proposed that any product that is not truly milk or cheese be not be able to use the milk or cheese label. It's, we think it's very simple. Uh, words do matter. Milk is milk, cheese is cheese. And we're just trying to have 
transparency for the consumers to be able to make an informed decision when they are buying products. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, one of those covering World Dairy Expo in Madison, Wisconsin, is our good friend Brian Winnikins from our affiliate WRDN in Durand, Wisconsin. Brian, thanks for joining us. A uh, little news yesterday with Secretary Purdue talking about the size of uh, operations. Did he really say, and I'm paraphrasing here, go big or go home? He didn't say go big or go home, in, in, in my opinion, uh, Mike. He, he did talk about smaller dairy farms and, and that, you know, because of regulations and uh, potential economies of scale and, and, and even technology that, yeah, it is, it is actually a little bit uh, uh, difficult uh, for uh, uh, some of the smaller dairy operations and that they maybe should consider getting, a, a, you know, expanding their herds. Um, I recently talked with uh, Dr. Mark Stevenson uh, from uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison Dairy Park and uh, Dairy uh, uh, Policy Analyst, and you know, he even said when he started his career, a small dairy farm was 14 cows. Now he considers a small dairy farm 150 cows. Uh, here in Wisconsin, uh, the peak number of dairy farms that we had in the state of Wisconsin was back in the 30s. We've been consolidating ever since. So. I think some of this, Mike, at least in my opinion, is is a little bit overblown on what the secretary said. Um, and uh, um, I, I I just uh, while I, I I do agree that uh, there there are is, I think there's still a place for uh, you know the small operations, a 35, 40, or 50 dairy cow operation. Um, that each operation may have to look at uh, getting a little bit bigger. But the secretary did not say, well, if you're going to stay 50 cows, get out. He never said that. Mm -hmm. What is the mood of dairy producers there at World Dairy Expo? It's, you know, it's a little bit, uh, there's some optimism. We've seen some higher milk prices uh, over the last uh, few weeks. Obviously, it's been like a roller coaster at Six Flags uh, Amusement Park going up and down and all around, but there is some a little bit of optimism. Um, you know, some of the dairy farmers really, you know, they're, they're watching that USMCA uh, and, and hoping that that gets passed. And uh, they're, they're they're watching the Japanese uh, trade deal. I, I had talked with asked Secretary Purdue yesterday, you know, that there was some concern in dairy industry, you know, that dairy maybe wasn't included in this or not included as much as like beef and pork. And the secretary disagreed with me. He felt that dairy was being well represented in the, uh, the Japanese trade deal. So there's, there's some optimism, but you know, it's, it's tempered a little bit too, because it's with what we've been dealing with for the last uh, few years, uh, you know, in the dairy industry. We're talking with Brian Winnikins from WRDN in Durand, Wisconsin. He is in Madison covering World Dairy Expo. Brian, you talk with dairy producers every day. What What are you hearing about the the uh, dairy margin coverage program and why or why not producers signed up for it? Uh, every uh, the, every the, all the dairy farmers I've talked with have signed up for it. I haven't uh, really run into anyone that has said they they haven't. Um, if they if they didn't sign up right away, some of it was because they had field work or they were busy, and but they they were going to get uh, involved in it. In Wisconsin, we've had a pretty high rate of uh, signups for uh, the program, and uh, I I haven't heard uh, really from any dairy farmers, Mike, that say no, nah, I'm not going to sign up for it. They're 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 they seem to be happy with what's being offered here with this program, and and are genuinely interested in it. And I think because of the way the markets have been. 
over the last few years. And there's this, the new program is, is better than, uh, the, the old margin protection program that there, there's more, uh, support for it. Tell us about how the dairy industry is responding to these challenges of these um, imitation products using the name dairy or milk. I know there's action going on in your state of Wisconsin, legislative uh, proposals. Uh, but how is the industry overall uh, responding to this? You know, in some respects, they're starting to call some of these these products out, like National Milk has been doing that for many years, and dairy farmers are are kind of getting on board with that of calling out some of these products that they're they're not as healthy as as uh, 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 genuine milk and and they're they're also wanting to reach out to consumers more to to explain the uh, the benefits of milk and also really the benefits of whole milk. There's really been like there's there's it seems like there's a bigger push now to try and get whole milk back into the school system and uh, with the kids and. To, to show the benefits of drinking whole milk and that it's not uh, the fat content isn't uh, this bad, evil thing like a lot of us have been brought up to believe over the so many years from the dietary guidelines that, oh, wait, we made a mistake on that. And so there's there's and, and that's actually providing some optimism. There's been, you know, the optimism of uh, also with chocolate milk is one of the best ways to refuel for athletes. And or after your workout, and so there are some things that the dairy industry and, and dairy farmers are really starting to try to to get that information out there. Ryan, I know uh, Brian. Brian, I know you're having some rain uh, there uh, yeah. in the in the uh, Madison area. What about throughout Wisconsin, the Europe area, back in Durand, and uh, what are you seeing harvest wise? Much getting done yet at all? We're start. Yeah, we're starting to see some uh, uh, corn silage being taken off. I, I noticed that on the way down uh, from Durand here on uh, Monday, and, and starting to see a, a few fields where that is uh, starting uh, to happen. Um, we have, we've had a lot of rain, uh, two to three inches of rain. We could still see another inch or so later today. So that's going to really put a, a halt to everything. Um, just to the north of Durand in, in the, the community of Elk Mound in Weston last week, we had an EF3 tornado move through. That caused a lot of damage uh, to some to the village, uh, especially in, in the town of Weston. And, you know, there's that, that cleanup's continuing, but it's also cleanup into the farm fields because a lot of uh, debris got blown into farm fields around that immediate area. So there are some challenges. Um, we're also looking at potentially some frost later on uh, at the end of the week here, especially north of Interstate 94. We'll see how that affects everything. But we are okay. still running behind, Mike, in, in the, for corn for grain. We're still running behind. Brian, thanks for the report. Good to talk with you, and have a good World Dairy Expo. We appreciate you checking in with us. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Brian Winnikins from WRDN, Duran, Wisconsin, giving us a report from World Dairy Expo in Madison. That wraps it up. Busy day today. Thanks for joining us on AOA.